Welcome to The Finer Things. I'm Lisa, this is Wes, and we are podcasting from the Cigar Lodge in Akron, Ohio. Today's topic is office life. Office life. How you doing, Wes? I'm doing pretty good, Lisa. How about you? I'm doing well. I have a, another, I've got a CAO Flathead 554 here, and it's box-pressed, meaning it looks like a square rectangle shape. Yeah, it's not hand-rolled. It's not It's not circular, that's for sure. And uh, I've lit it and taken a couple of puffs, and it has got a nutty taste. It's very dark wrapper, so we're, it's going to be a strong cigar. Uh, and I get that. I've got the Glen Finish 14. It's got a blue label, which pairs well with this. And uh, it's a generous pour, so if you were a member here at the... Mm-hmm. Another reason why you should be a member here at the Members Only Lounge at the Cigar Lodge in beautiful yeah. Akron, Ohio. What do you got going on over I have a Cohiba. It's it's a medium brown. Um, it's actually a pretty decent size gauge, and so it's kind of starting to split just a little bit, but the ash is holding insanely tight. That's um, awesome. And the Cohiba is a popular brand, especially for those that want to have a Cuban. Yes. Because now, that's usually what the yellow wrapper Cohiba is usually what I see as far as the Cuban right. uh, kind now, of Now, this is a blue wrapper, Cohiba. I remember from law school, I did a lot of, I studied a lot of IP. I do a fair amount of, IP stands for intellectual property. Meaning trademarks, patents, and copyrights, copyrights those kinds of things. Um, I remember one of the cases we talked about was as far as upholding the trademark for Cohiba cigars after all of the embargoes were put in place. and. It was one of my favorite cases <laughs> it involves two of my loves, cigars and intellectual property. That's why she's never forgotten it. Yep. It was fascinating. Uh, as far as my drink, I am doing a Highland Park Einar, E-I-N-A-R. Highland Park is way, 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 way far north in Scotland. It has a little peatiness to it. It's, Just a touch. It's kind of, Yeah, it's very subtle. It's one of the only ones, if not the only one, on the main one that kind of does the peatiness. Usually that's reserved for the elate, but well, it's very nice. Yeah, while she's taking a sip of that, she's going to grab the bottle, because mm-hmm. she's got to describe this bottle to you folks, because this is a, a slick-looking box and everything. Highland Park, they're very, very well known for their, um, it's all Viking stuff, so it's got this big Viking axe on the front, and Kind of all of their stuff is very themed. Viking themed. It's even got tasting notes on the back here, so I'll read it. Um, appearance, rich, golden, clear and bright. Yep, I'll Check. sign off on that. Nose, pineapple. You know, I don't get that too much. Well, another little take, a taste, take the taste, get that pineapple. Now we don't okay, I smell a little pineapple. There we go. Give that a smell. Spicy, wood smoke, dried peel, and golden syrup. Just a touch of pineapple. Initially smoky and vanilla, citrus peel develops. The finish, vanilla sweetness, and lingering smokiness. It's real light on the smokiness, but like I said, they're one of the only ones on the mainland. I say mainland, but it's it's one of the very far northern island. I mean, uh, islands, islands in Scotland. Yeah. And today's theme will be never microwave fish at your office place. Why not? <laughs> It, it, it's just a terrible idea. It's well, just mostly a terrible because idea. you don't want to be the jerk in the office. 
that's the biggest way to not do or be one of the finer things. Microwaving fish in the office is not one of the finer things in life. Never a good idea. Even on Friday, if you're in Lent, never, never microwave fish in the microwave. Now, you know, as far as office life is concerned, I've been in offices that I've created. I had an office job in law school. It was data entry, so it was like the uh, little parrot that drips Mm -hmm. like a metronome into the little uh, bucket of water. And uh, everybody works at a job, and you've got to, like we talked about a thousand times, you got to know thyself, right? So, you know, why are you at this job? I mean, that's a big big question. What motivates you to be there? All right, is it an economic? I mean, do they have the golden handcuffs on you where you're like, look, I make too much money. I gotta stay here, or are you there as a means to an end? Is there another goal? Is this a stepping stone? Is this right. a rung on the ladder? Do you want to be CEO and president of the company? I mean, do all these choices are yours, and it's very difficult, right? Because there, these are hard questions. And there's plenty of good answers for that. Some jobs, maybe it is right that you're only there to do a very meaningless sort of task, but it's very repetitive it has to be done so you know if if you're getting paid enough to do it then we'll assume you are because you're there and you continue to be there okay maybe that's a good enough reason right and and now in this day and age i've uh, recently read that people will have at least seven different jobs yep. in their working career i mean seven right i mean for us that's a mind-numbing number. I mean, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Well, for attorneys, we used to stay in one firm your entire career, and that's not the case anymore. Right. The, Far it, from it. Right. In the law firm context, you'd start as an intern, maybe start as a paralegal if you were going to law school, you work yourself way through there. Then after you pass the bar, get licensed, you'll be an associate. And then after a few years, you'll make partner. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. And then you make senior partner. And or shareholder, whatever, yeah, managing partner, partner, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, and so it depends on why you want to look at the job and everything else like that. And it also, your kind of work. I mean, this goes for the lay, the trades, too. I mean, you know, what kind of electrician do you want to be? Do you right. want to supervise electricians? Do you want to be the guy on the, doing the actual work? I mean, you've got sure. to figure out what motivates you, like Lisa was talking about, to figure out what, why we're in this job. I mean... And office life is one of those necessary evils that everybody has an office. (laughs) And what makes that office life, everybody has a difficult office life because you're just like, ah, because you spend eight eight to nine hours a day, every day for five days a week, and then Mm -hmm. you go home. I mean, that's, think about that. That is a long time when you add that off. So you got to make sure that and there's some things you can do as far as the finer things to kind of make the day go a little bit longer, a little easier for yeah. you. And so you've got to learn that as your day goes and what your process is for how you're working. I mean, what kind of work do you do goes hugely into this? Do you want to be creative? Do you want to just go in and punch that clock? I mean, what's your purpose in being there? And that's huge. I mean, you got to find your purpose. And the purpose there is going to be very, very important. Uh, because if you're looking to climb the company ladder, then you've got to network, you've got to tow the company line, you've got to be in it to win it. You've got to show that you add value to the company or you're not moving up. Because if you don't add value, what are you doing there? They're not going to promote you. 
Right, and so how do you add value? I mean, that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, these are all hard questions, admittedly so. They are, and they're hard because it varies upon the organization. Some places you might bring your creativity, but they have their own specific process, and you're going outside of the company lines. They do not want you to bring your creativity to it, and so it's not going to be a good fit. Whereas other places, you know, you bring something special to it, you add value to it, and they recognize that, and they're more likely to promote you because of that. And it's not that you're doing anything necessarily different, it's the whole corporate environment is different. And as far as the fire things are concerned, I mean, you, everybody's got a K-cup machine, everybody's got a microwave at their office, I mean, everybody knows how to buy lunch. You know, you can pack your lunch. I mean, it all depends on what kind of goals you're trying to achieve. And so if you've got a, let's just say, a, a data entry job where you're punching the clock in and you're punching out because you're trying to get somewhere or you're in school or something of that nature, yeah. everybody's got uh, that person, the, the jerk. Everybody's got the jerk in the office. Everybody's got that going on. So you've got to make sure that you're not that jerk. And how do you not become that jerk? Number one. Don't eat other people's lunch. <laughs> if you're that guy, you're the jerk of the office. Nobody likes you. Yeah, that's why people have to put names. And <laughs> even when they put names, you ignore them and you eat their lunch. Don't be that jerk. And everybody's seen The Office. That's what that sitcom is a very popular. Everybody's yeah. seen The Office. I mean, you've got your characters and everything else like that. And you identify with everybody identifies with one of those characters yeah. in that show. And so you want to make sure that you identify, and especially if you want to move up or you're trying to be the resource, you want to make sure that you put yourself in a position where people need you. And people need you, and you're not hurtful about it. Right. You, If somebody comes in, like for instance, in, in my NECA world, if another attorney comes and asks me for help, my first response is, you're an idiot, you should know this. No, it's not. It says, okay, what's the problem? I was looking at him right now, like, wait a minute, when? <laughs> I haven't seen that side. Yeah, well, you know, it just depends on who you are, Lisa. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Mm. And so you, you've got to figure out, okay, why, what are you, what are your, what's your goal here? First, you got to identify the goal. Mm -hmm. And once you identify the goal, you're like, okay, for this case, just using that as an example, what are you trying to do? What do you not know about this case? Right. Because you don't know what you don't know. Right. It's a fact of life. So how do you get to a position where you need, you know that I need to know this topic? I need to know this, and you now know why you need to know this. Yeah. And that's very, very important. So how many office jobs have you had, Lisa? I have no idea. A few. That many. I've, had, I've created an office. I, you know, I work in my own office right now. Same. And you know, so you, as far as the uh, creative standpoint, you always have that person in the office that they get to do whatever they want. They, That's mean. They get to walk in. If they're not the boss, they get to walk in, they get to do whatever they want, and they take that three-hour lunch, and you know they're getting paid. And so why is that person doing that? Right? Because they can get away with it. Or they are providing enough value to the company to where they can do that. I mean, well, they, not or. And they, they have to. They're providing enough value to the company so they can get away with it. And everybody knows that. And they're, they're, the attitude. I mean, this goes a lot to the attitude on how you're going to achieve that goal. 
as far as my attitude for the uh, office life. And I, one of the neat things, and so these little uh, creature comforts, I mean, that's really the best way to do it. I mean, if, yeah, you, really. if you drink coffee, like I said, everybody's got a cake cup machine at their office, mm-hmm. and you can even bring your own cake-ups. I mean, that's economical. And mm-hmm. you could, if you really like coffee from this spot, you can always get the coffee beans and make your own cake-ups, or you can even have uh, them shipped to the office yep. if you really wanted to. One of the creature comforts that I have in my office that, I, that was a gift to me was the Ember, E-M-B-E-R, coffee cup. Nice. And I, if you haven't had one of these, it's great. It really is. And, and I had never had one of these before. But what it is, it's a USB-powered uh, cup, and it keeps the coffee hot. Nice. So you, everybody's like, you pour that morning cup of coffee at 9 in the morning or whatever you get in, so it's 9. And you're like, oh, my God. I, you know. And then you come back to it after a meeting. It's like 10, 10.30, and you're like, that coffee is not hot. <laughs> yeah. Or you go to the coffee pot to get a warm-up. Uh, but the Ember Cup uh, keeps the same temperature. I mean, you can control this thing from your phone. Oh! It, it, like, the temperature control is amazing on this thing. And, and to me, hot coffee is hot coffee to me. So uh, the temperature really doesn't make that much of a difference. So it's one of those things where as long as you know it, and it's one of those creature comforts where you can walk around, you know, get your steps in, especially if you've mm-hmm. got one of those Apple Watches. Because everybody's got an Apple Watch, right? Yeah. So, you know, they're keeping track of their steps. And you know where you're, and this is the other thing, when you look at your day and you're like, okay, what is the hardest part of the day that I got to get through? Yeah. Because everybody's got something, right? So what kind of, what's the hardest part of the day in your office? Um, juggling deadlines. As with everybody. Quite so. So you've got a deadline coming up and you know you got to meet it. So what do you do? I figure out the steps that I need to accomplish in order to meet that deadline and then follow those steps. And is this something you've done before? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially in the, uh, the office life, you want to make sure that you've got a mentor. Uh, the huge mm-hmm. is to have a mentor because then that's somebody you can call upon and say, hey, I have never done this before. It really is. And that way they can wet nurse you through it uh, and, and be like, listen, step by step go through it. And there's going to be a process manual too. Yeah. You know what? I will admit this is one of the best hints that Wes ever gave me is he told me to put together a checklist, a manual of how you accomplish this particular task and go through it. Make sure that you're following every single step along the way. And I found that everything flowed so much simpler. It took a little bit extra time at the front. front. Sure. Once the process got rolling, once everybody followed the manual and figured out, oh, here's what I'm supposed to do. Literally every single minute little step. Man, it got really fast. Well, and especially in the office context, you know what part of the machine that you are part of. I mean, yeah. The, the corporation's a machine. Yeah. And you are a cog in it. So what part do you play? And you've got to know what part you play in the process. And if you've got a manual or a, you do the same task. Let's just say you do the same task. Like I had a data entry job in law school for a period of time. So you do the same task 
every single day. It never changes. And you just eight hours, you look at a screen, and you're just punching the same thing. Okay, great. So you look at the process, and you say, okay, how am I a part of this process? Where do I fit in this process? And where do I want to be in this process? If I just want to click and keep doing this, great. Do I not want to do this? Do I want to be in a different portion of the process? Because you know what the beginning of the product is, regardless of the office area that you work in or the, the job that you have. You know how it starts, and you know how it ends. And the problem that everybody has is what is the middle? Right. What is the middle? And you're in the middle. You're somewhere. Yeah. Wherever that somewhere is, you're there. And so how do you make it easier for the person and, and how you show your resourcefulness and your creativity and your ability to be promoted and your coachability is saying, okay, I've got to take this document or package or product or whatever, like an assembly line, and it goes from me to Lisa, right? So using whatever, it comes in from John, it goes to Wes, and then it goes to Lisa, and then it goes somewhere else. So right. Wes's job would be, Okay, how do I make it easier for Lisa? Because yeah. she's the next step in the process. And how do I make it easier for the next person in the line? And so you keep thinking to yourself, okay, how do I make it just a little bit easier for this next person? Right. And then Lisa will be like, hey, especially if I give, if Lisa gets different packages or products from other people, she'll begin to see my name and be like, oh, Wes's is easiest. Right. I, I can knock out three of Wes's. Right. Versus one of John's or Jane's or whatever. Right. And so I know that I can knock those three out real quick, and that's how you can increase productivity. See, for my particular line of work, um, I do a lot of collections representing the debtors in collections, and I've got different debt settlement companies that I work with. I've got some that I know this person is on top of their game. They are going to be easy to work with. They're not going to necessarily give me great settlement amounts that I can take, but we'll get there eventually. And they've got great communication. This other place, lousy communication. They're never going to write me back in time. I'm going to have things pressing from the court, and the deadline's just going to roll past, and eh, they don't care. It is They're what just, it is. They're just clocking in and clocking out, whatever. They get a settlement or they don't, whatever. I've got other people that they're like, you know what, Here, here's the amount we can work with every month. Here's what we can offer. Do up to whatever balance we need to do to make this work. Each one has their own benefits and disadvantages to it. And so... You know, I'm, I've done this enough and I'm familiar enough with the different companies out there that I know what to expect from some of them. And some, I've turned down before just because of the debt settlement company. They're so hard to work with that I can't help my client because I can't get the information that I need to help my client. And so it's not worth it for me to take them on as a client. I just don't want that hassle. And I've turned it down before. And that's huge. The power of saying no, you know, is huge. And with that, and you won't always have that. Correct. If you're an employee, as the boss, I get a lot more power. Right. And you know, Lisa has employees and everything else like that. And I've had employees before. 
And as she indicated, you want to make a process that everybody can follow and that you know that will be followed every single time, at least from the uh, manager's aspect. And then from the uh, labor aspect, from the employee's perspective, if you've got a process that you do over and over and over again, there's always something that can be improved. And you can even say to your manager, hey, look, uh, this we I keep asking this question. Why don't I ask this question instead? Right. And then why don't I do this first? instead of this. Right. And that's very, very important because that'll give you that resourcefulness that everybody's looking for. Say, hey, listen, you know, Lisa's the employee. She's doing a great job. She's asking these questions. How can we get her the resources we need? Because we know her productivity will increase. Right. Because if her productivity increases, that means it's better for everybody. And as the boss, what I'm looking for when I hire somebody is... I want somebody that's going to add value to my company. I want somebody that's going to make my life easier. Ultimately, I want someone that, I, like we talked about in the last episode, I love to travel. And so if I feel like heading out of town for a week, I need some time to kind of recharge. Like everybody does. I, like everyone does. I want to know that I have left my business that I have worked very hard to build in capable hands and that it's not going to be a flaming dumpster fire when I get back. <laughs> you know, add value to my company, there's no way I'm letting you go anywhere. I have no problem spreading the wealth. Just add value. And this goes for small companies and large companies as well. It does. It, I mean, even uh, Apple or Google, uh, you've got these software engineers who may work two, three hours a day, which is a tiny amount. I yeah. mean, we hear all these stories where the campus on Google uh, or anything else like that, they have uh, all these different classes, all these perks that are offered. Well, the reason they offer all of those perks is because... All the people that have to create have to have that spark of imagination. Right. And, uh, you know, you can't predict when the lightning will strike. Because if you could, none of us would have a job. Right. None of us. <laughs> so tell me about your cigar and scotch. How are you doing? I am in the middle of my box pressed flathead 554 from CAO. And it is still tasty. It's very nice. It's smoky. Uh, we have had, we, we're both smoking a cigar in a room, and we try to keep the ventilation off because we know what the sack yeah. quality is. And uh, there are some cigars that are smoky. There are some cigars that are less smoky because they're, they're all going to be smoky. Right. And this tends to be on the more smoky side. Mm -hmm. It's not as smoky as the uh, Champagne from Perdomo, which okay. to this day is the smokiest cigar I've had. But it's close. It is close. How about you? How's that Goyupa? It's nice. It's smooth. It's mellow. Just like you. <laughs> you got that nice, easy, relaxed look. My God. I don't know if I've ever been described as mellow, but okay. Well, you've got that look now. You've got that look of ah. Uh, that ah. Uh, okay. You know? I'll so, take it. And uh, yeah, so the, the office life, and especially if you smoke, that's a great thing. Do you smoke at work? You know, you got to take a smoke break or everything else like that. And the other thing is, the hardest part, as we've talked about, is you got to know yourself. I mean, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, uh, yeah. 
where am I, where is my best productivity for the day? I know for myself that between the hours of 10 and 11 a.m. That's the golden hour. That is the golden hour. I achieve so many things in that hour that you, know, you just look back at the day and I'm like, oh, I heard like I got anything done. And I'm like, then you actually list what, if you have to list right. what you've got done. And you're like, oh, that's, that's the time frame where I will, if I have to, if I'm not in court or something else like that, or I'm not in a meeting, I'll, you know, I have to write something. I know that if I've got a project, I've got a research, I will spend that hour mm -hmm. on that project and be like, I'm going to hit this. I'm going to hit it because I know this is my best hour. Sure. And so, and that's the, that's the best part. And I also know that my worst hour is after 3 o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> After 3 o'clock, eh, it depends. I mean, if I'm in trial, I don't have much of a choice. Right. If I'm not in trial, it's different. But you will know with your office life what your, what your golden hour is. And more importantly, you will know what your other co-workers right. golden hour is. Because if you walk into your boss's office or you walk into a co-worker's cubicle at 10.30 and that's their golden hour, they're just going to look at you. I mean, yeah, bah, bah. You right. get that general malaise of, uh, why are you here? Yeah. That, it, it, it's not Don't interrupt me while I'm in the zone. Right. It, it's not necessarily that you mean to. There's no ill will. It's just that I have this hour that I know. I know is golden. I know that I'm going to hit it. And you're intruding upon that. Right. And that's another way where you can know your process of where you are. Mm -hmm. And especially if you get to a management position, you can say, well, I know Lisa works phenomenal from, let's say, 9 to 10. And I know Wes works phenomenal from 10 to 11. Mm -hmm. So if I have a meeting and I need Wes at his A game, I can guarantee that at 10 a.m. Sure. If I need Lisa at her A game, it's 9 a.m. Yeah. If I don't, or I, if it's a less important task, then it could be after lunch. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's that one of those things where you got to know yourself and you got to be in a position where, eh, here's what's going to happen. And here's how we're going to make it happen. And and that goes to the streamlining of the process. Sometimes it's checklist, sometimes it's not. I mean, it, it, for construction of the Lakers, you're going to have positions where you know that on a job site, after 2 o'clock, nothing gets done. Yeah. After 4 o'clock, nothing gets done. Sure. I mean, in my world, I know that if I have a pressing matter, and it's a Friday after 2 o'clock, I get to go hunt down a judge. <laughs> I Good have, luck with that on <laughs> 2 o'clock on a Friday. Right, I have to go hunt somebody. They're on the golf course. Right, they're, they're not there. Some of them are, some of them are. And, you know, that's you've just got to know who that is. So you've just got to determine to yourself, do I, is this worth me going and knocking on a door and going, yeah. it's, I mean, this is how important it is right. because it's 2 o'clock on a Friday. So, I mean, that all goes into the calculus. Mm -hmm. And, and it, admittedly so, it's a revolving door, and these are all moving parts. It's, a, it's an all-moving variables. And, and and being able to step back and just, and it'll cost a day, sure. maybe two, where you just step back and you look at everybody. Even if you're the employee and you just look around, you observe, sure. and you see what everybody's doing, and you're like, oh, that's it. That's exactly what's going to happen. And again, I can never stress this enough. Never, under any circumstances, microwave fish. <laughs> okay? 
never be microwaved. Everyone will hate you. <laughs> well, I mean, if you've been to college or anything, it, it, the smell of burnt popcorn. I say burnt popcorn, that smell, it triggers right now in your nose. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, it, it, it's that offensive smell. And you're like, oh, you just cannot believe that somebody would even attempt to microwave popcorn. And you, and they burn it. Inevitably, they burn it. And the fish is the same way. The only fish that is acceptable at your workplace are the goldfish. The crackers. The crackers. Yeah. And that is it. So. God, I hope the crackers. What are you eating a lot of goldfish for? It's not the 1920s. Right. And it's not a fraternity that you're pledging. Mm-hmm. So that's very, very important. And and again, especially it's those little ticks of the day. So if you know, and, and again, being observant, you, are you, and, and not too pushy too, you know that somebody's got a big day coming up. Yeah. Somebody got married. Somebody's retiring. You know, you've got all these office functions. The other thing is you, you can network too. I mean, if we go from a position that we're assuming. Not we, just can't. You should. Absolutely. I don't even care what profession you're in um for example i've had a lot of home improvements done lately my guy has been out there and there's been several times that he's brought in other people to kind of consult with him about well how do i do this particular thing this isn't my area of expertise how am I going to accomplish this best? And he knows those people through networking. I know other people. I had someone contact me today and say, look, um, Wes told me that you practice in this particular area. Can you help me out on this? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you. That's how we roll. And, and, oh, of course. And that's exactly That I mean, is how you roll. That's how we roll. That's how you network, guys. you, you got to network. And so in your industry, how do you network? How do you meet people? Well, if you're in a trade, there's always a union. There's always a union hall. Yeah. If you're in a profession, there's always an association. It's a union. We call it a different name. Right. It, they're, in an association and a union, they're the same thing. They really, really are. And so if you're part of this association and you know somebody, that, and the other thing is this is kind of hubris and you know, not everybody can say this, but we've talked about it before. You got to say, just like Lisa's guy is hating her handyman here. You got to say, I don't know what to do here. And that's absolutely, a, I mean, that's a don't big thing. Don't ever be afraid to admit that you don't know what you're doing. Just make sure you get the help you need. And that's seek the help. Big point. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I've not had a manager or uh, anybody else that I've worked for, worked with, or had as a manager from the mm-hmm. employer perspective. They look at me and say, hey, look, look, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never done this before. Great. First of all, I've got a checklist for you. And second of all, I'm going to walk you through this. Yeah. Because one of the interview questions that I ask is, if you were given a process, do you create that process on your own again, or do you improve upon the process for which it already exists? Yeah. Because that question, if you can answer that question, that tells me what kind of worker you are. Sure. Because if you're going to work and improve the process I've already given to you, great. Then I know what tasks I can assign to you. If you're like, listen, I'm going to reinvent this entire thing. You're going to reinvent the wheel. Then I know that's a more creative or artistic kind of position where you may find something by starting afresh. Right. You may not start. You may not find something new. But if you improve the process, what you're going to do is you're going to increase efficiency. 
if you create a whole new process, you might create something wholly different that may be better. And it depends on what the employer is looking for. Some situations, I don't want someone to recreate the process. Follow my process, follow it exactly, don't deviate from it. I'm hiring you for a specific task. Other people, I want them to step in and completely, 100% fill a role. And it's not necessarily an area that is my area of expertise. I want them to be the expert. I want them to create the process. I got licensed in many different states and I'm picking up quite a few more because I want to actually practice in all of those states. And so I'm building an empire here. <laughs> I want people, you know, I am never going to practice criminal law in Nebraska. It's not worth it for me to go to Nebraska for a criminal case. There's, I don't like doing it anyway. There's no reason for that. But as part of my empire, yeah, that might make sense. And I need that person, if I hire such a person, to create that process in Nebraska and become that expert and know exactly what they're doing and seek the help that they need from the people both within my organization and outside of it in order to figure out how to fully encompass that whole area. Well, and that, and that also builds trust. Yeah. I mean, the process of your work, I mean, you, like indicated earlier, if you are dotting your I's and crossing your T's and you're, whoever is next in the line of your process goes, looks at Lisa's work and goes, I, I don't even have to look at that work because I know right. it's solid. And that's where you want to be. I mean, and it is trust. You have to show me. I talked about I recently hired a new person and they're not starting for a few months yet. I have told them that, you know, at first, first couple of weeks, they're going to be treated as a law clerk. We're walking through the very simple basics. Here are the most minute, stupid tasks. I realize you're an attorney. I apologize for talking down to you. I expect you to get caught up to speed way faster than a law clerk ever would. Someone who's still in law school. And don't take that personally. And don't take it personally. And fortunately, they've given me every indication that they will not. That, yeah, they get exactly why they're being treated that way. And then once they're up to speed and they show me, yep, I can do exactly the process within the organization, then, okay, now you're going to be given actual lawyer tasks. Go handle this. Come with me to court. Here's how I do it. And then improve upon it. Go by yourself to court. This is your case. You're in charge. I'm going to be overseeing it. After that, and hopefully very soon into the employer-employee relationship, it's on you. You've got to do this, and you've got to be responsible for an entire area of the law. And, you know, it builds my empire. It contributes to my organization, and it gives them the, um, I guess, agency, Confidence. sort of. Confidence. Kind of, yeah. Right, because you, you know you've been trained well. 
the agency to own it. Correct. This is theirs. This is mine. Well, and it, you can relate this to any any sport that you're preferable, but like football or basketball, because mm-hmm. we're coming up into the March Madness, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And so on a basketball team, you've got five players on the court. And it, even on a football team, you've got 11 men on the, on the field. But on the basketball court, you've got five players. You've got a point guard. You've got a post. I mean, you have a shooting guard. Uh, you might have a forward. And all these players, very rarely do you see a utility player. The only sport that we, in soccer and baseball, you usually have a utility player. Like a Cal Ripken Jr. or something like that. Where now, they, I'm not a big sports person. Explain utility player. Sure. So a utility player is somebody that can play many different roles. Okay. And and the part is that the reason that you spend so much time, at least from the management perspective versus the employee perspective, that you want the employee to understand where they fit in the team. Because you're a team, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody on this team has the same goal. What is this goal? If, they're, if they've clearly given you a goal, we want to sell X amount of dollars of widgets. Or whatever. Sure. So the salesman's going to go out and try to sell that much. Right. And then somebody's got to produce those widgets. Right. And, you know, so everybody's got to work hand in hand. And so one, the left hand has to know what the right hand is doing. So when you know what position you play mm-hmm. and say, listen, and the easiest, you know, for football, the easiest, you have wide receivers. Their only job is to catch the football. The quarterback, their job is to quarterback the team. That's your field marshal. The coach gives the quarterback the play, and the coach has to say, I trust you with this play, knowing that the personnel that I have on this team, on the field, at this time, at this moment, that play will work. And they do this in real time, and to our delight, and unless you're a Browns fan, (laughs) which uh, seems to be our area. Are there any (laughs) Browns? You know, it it happens, and when you, and the co- and, and there's this, it's like a game of telephone sometimes. But the coach has to communicate to the quarterback, "This is the play I want you to run." To run, the quarterback then has to communicate to the team, "Okay, this is the play I want you to run." You've got the offensive line whose job is to do this for this play. You've got a wide receiver who has to do this route. You have a running back that has to do this route or this play or this block. You have a halfback that has to do this. Or that uh, you have a safety that has right. to do this or that, or a tight end, excuse me. And then on the defense, you've got a defensive line. What are they trying to do? Trying to make a hole so a safety or defensive back can sack the quarterback because they have this one goal. And this is, and when I think one of the reasons that we like football, at least in America, that every single play in microcosm that's life. Sure. You have the personnel on the field. You've got to play. And you've got to run that play. And the coaches, they they merely call the plays. Right. That's all they do. They you don't see Belichick out there. Again, uh, Coach Belichick uh, got a start in Cleveland, and Cleveland actually fired Belichick. You know, so let's just start there. But you you got a situation where the coach again. I mean, and this is the and these are different roles, right? So you right. got a coach. He can't play the game. Can't play right. the game. He's not getting paid to play the game. What he's doing. Is he's getting paid to look at his personnel, train his personnel, and say, this is what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to score a touchdown. Sure. How do we how do we get that hundred yards? Or where where are we on the field? So you gotta be self-aware. Right. This is where I'm at. This is where we're gonna go. And how do we get there? Well right. and and knowing who you have on the field. And the only difference between sports and 
office life is, you know, the roles can change. If you're in sports, if you're a professional athlete, you're going to stay pretty much in that role your entire career. For me, I'm currently probably quarterback role. I'm calling the shots, but, you know, I've got different things that I need to hit. Somebody's giving her the play. Eventually, hopefully soon, I'm going to be moving up to coach level. I'm telling other people that I'm calling the plays. Nobody's telling me necessarily what I have to do. I'm telling other people, and I'm counting on them to do it. Someday, hopefully, I will, (laughs) maybe not, probably not soon. Hopefully someday I will make it to the level of owner where I'm just sitting back. Oh, yeah, owners are even better. And, you know, I hire the people to make the calls to tell the staff, the quarterbacks, yes, quarterbacks are staff, to tell them what to do and count on them to carry it out or goodbye. Right, and and that's a great example because if I'm the owner of the team, I hire a coach and a general manager or president of football operations, whatever you want to call it, and I have to look at the general manager and I have to say, okay, I am hiring you. Uh, So as an owner, I'm hiring Lisa and I'm saying, okay, Lisa, my goal at the end of the season is I want to win a Super Bowl. Okay. That's the that's the goal. And that's why I say not soon. This is not something that I will build soon. It's going to take quite a bit of time. Especially through the Browns. It's taking 25 years. <laughs> Please, Lord, don't let me ever be the Browns. Yeah, well, it's, and it's very, very, because the other thing is that these plays, I mean, where are you on the field? Because the, the general manager will hire the coach. And if you're building something from the ground up, the coach will say, okay, here are the list of players that I want. And then you've got an economic concern, just right. like in a corporation. I can't afford everybody that I want. Well, but I use this analogy exactly because I would like to reach that level of owner. I'm not necessarily concerned with the day-to-day operations of what's going on in Nebraska, what's going on in North Dakota. I know that I hired the people to handle the business in North Dakota. The top level guys, that's who I'm looking at. The lower level staff, they need to be in touch with and figure out what's going on there. That's super important. And so that's why you see these quarterbacks or these star players make these millions of dollars because they know their role. They play this role better than anybody else, and they can work within the system, and they work within the system, and this system works for them, and the coach knows that, and they're like, listen, this Lisa's my girl. This is what's going to happen. I need her. So, before we uh, end, Lisa, give me one good thing that's going on with you. One good thing. You've had your, uh, her daughter with the world, so we've had that. My daughter is going to the world. Um... I went to the opera recently, and that was a lot of fun. One good thing for me, I am in the middle of making a marketing video for my firm, and I'm Mm -hmm. super excited about it. It's rejuvenating me, and we'll get more to that to a later podcast. But we're gonna—that's my one good thing. And again, thank you again for listening to the Fire Things with Lisa and Wes. We are podcasting live from the Members Only Lounge in the beautiful Cigar Lodge in Akron, Ohio. Thanks again for checking us out. Again, rate, review, five stars. Is support the show, patreon.com. Mm-hmm. 
forward slash finer things. We're going to keep putting out this content. Don't you fret none. And again, you can find us anywhere you find your podcast, either on uh, Google, Stitcher, iTunes. And again, thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for keeping it up. And you guys have a great day. Thanks, guys. Bye.